welcome to our podcast. Confused and, and homicidal. homicidal. This week I'm Tori and, well, I'm always Tori, but <laughs> this week I'm confused. And I'm Andrew and I'm homicidal. Yeah. <laughs> we promise for legal reasons it is a joke. But <laughs> on the podcast we decided that um, we are going to have one person who is confused. So I'm confused and that means I have no clue what's going on. And I'm homicidal. So I'm the one who did all of the research for this week. I know everything about this case. Well, as much as I researched anyways. So hopefully I know a lot. Um, and I just freeloaded. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. So I know you've taken the bus before. How have your experiences been? Define bus. Like like a Greyhound. A Greyhound. <laughs> greyhound oh, bus. Oh, don't get me started. They're great for people in a pinch and not expensive. Well, they're not bad, but you can't rely on them, and they have proven that to me numerous times. So I'm kind of scared about this now because I'm probably going to be taking the Greyhound soon. Just be careful who you sit next to. Oh, gosh. Or who sits next to you. (laughs) All right, so this is the case of Tim McLean. So, Tim McLean was born in Victoria, British Columbia on October 3rd, 1985. He grew up in Winnipeg and Ellie, Montitoba. He was described as an athlete, an adventurous person. He loved meeting new people and traveling, and he was currently working as a carnival employee. What? It's Manitoba, not Montitoba. What, did I say Montitoba? <laughs> yes, it's Whoops. Manitoba. Yeah, I knew that, I swear. It's not even that far. Manitoba, Canada is really close. Oh my gosh, you can hear the piano, or the... The violin. The violin, yeah. I'm not yeah, thinking tell straight. Tell me you're recording in a dorm room without telling me you're recording in a dorm. So oh, I was really sad. I couldn't, I couldn't find a whole lot on the rest of Tim McLean's existence up until his murder, but... Oh, his murder? Or his... him murdering? We'll get there. All right, so... look. So, Tim McLean was the one who did end up dead. Oh, Um, okay. So, the killer, his name was Vince Lee. Um, He was born in Dangdong, China, on April 30th of 1968. Because of this case, he was eventually labeled as the Canadian cannibal. Oh. He graduated from Wuhan Institute of Technology with a bachelor's degree in computer science, and he began working in Beijing as a computer software engineer. He immigrated to Canada on July 11th of 2001. He officially became a citizen November 7th, 2006. Oh, so this case isn't very old. No, it's pretty new. I mean, as far as true crime Mm -hmm. crime goes, a lot of the time you hear about, like, stuff from the 80s. Oh, yeah. Or, like, the 70s. Yeah, even the late 60s. I mean, I was a very, very, very young child, but still... I also was quite a young child. (laughs) In the grand scheme of things, it's pretty recent. Yeah. Um, and it has aspects of it that are even more recent, so we'll, we'll get to that later, though. (laughs) Um... So, he, he lived a, a, a pretty small life. He worked small jobs, 
He seemed to be happy and doing well despite the language barrier. He didn't really speak a whole lot of English, and no one else really spoke a whole lot of Chinese. But he was employed by Pastor Tom Caster. Pastor Caster. <laughs> you gotta love the rhyming scheme there you got going on, Pastor Caster. He claimed that Lee had never had any signs of anger issues or any trouble, but Lee eventually quit in the spring of 2005. He then worked as a forklift operator. Smooth operator. And his wife worked as a waitress. He eventually moved to Edmonton in 2006. At some point, he was hospitalized after an incident with Ontario Provincial Police for quote-unquote peculiar behavior. Mm-hmm. Lee was found walking on this, walking along a highway in Ontario, just for no reason, really. Um, he was just found wandering. So his mental health was in question at that point, and records were really sketchy. But he was allowed to be discharged against medical advice. Oh, yeah. Okay. MIA. Yeah. So he he got out of there, and it was obvious while he was there that something wasn't quite right about him. Um, so they wanted to keep him there, but they didn't really have any means to. They just found him on the side of a highway. He hadn't done anything wrong, so they couldn't hold him. So, yeah, so he left. He was discharged, and then... Then that's when he, after that, he moved to Edmonton. He he leaves his wife in Winnipeg until she can join him later, which I found to be super weird. I feel like a move should be, like, both of them should move together. So that was kind of weird when he moved and she hadn't. But How long, do you know how long that period was between it? Because, I mean, it could be stuff with work, like, if he moved pretty just spontaneously and she had to give it two week. That's true. I couldn't, I didn't really find a whole lot about the wife after this. It was just kind of a a couple mentions of her, but she kind of vanished from the equation at some point. So after Lee moved to Edmonton, he worked various small jobs. He worked at Walmart. He worked at a fast food place. Pretty sure it was McDonald's. Just Mm -hmm. throwing that out there. And then his latest job, he worked a newspaper delivery. He was described as a reliable, hardworking, and never really shown any signs of trouble. But four weeks before the incident, he was fired from Walmart after a (laughs) disagreement with other employees. But oh, uh huh. I see what you're saying. And then after that, Lee asked for a time off from his delivery job to go to Winnipeg for a job interview. And So he's going back to Winnipeg now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so he's looking for a new job. And he might have found more than he was looking for on his way. Uh-oh. So July 28th at approximately 12.05 p.m. <laughs> You're exact here. Lee boards a Greyhound bus bound for Winnipeg. Um, so that was the that was the first day he um, he went. He was he was on his way. July 29th, around 6 p.m., Lee gets off the bus at Manitoba. He's said to be carrying at least three pieces of luggage, so at least one 
like overhead bag. He's reported to have stayed the night at a bench next to a grocery store that night. And he probably could have just stayed in the station. Maybe That's I don't know, but rest. from from what it seems, it seems like he was not quite in the the right mindset. right set of mind. Um, and he was seen at three a.m. sitting bolt upright with eyes wide open, just just staring at nothing. Ah, uh, the sleep so. paralysis demon get to him. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> the actual murder happened the next day on July thirtieth. But before that happened, he was said to have been up pretty much all night. And he tried selling his laptop for $600. He just had a sign saying, laptop, $600. So that didn't quite work out for him. Why did he try to sell his laptop? I couldn't figure out why. I was also really confused about that. But Was he trying to lure someone in? Because, like, I mean, $600 for... For a laptop isn't bad. I mean, it was 2008, but still. Yeah. That's pretty cheap. It is. He did end up selling it to a 15-year-old boy for $60. That's a steal. So, yeah. I I don't know why. Maybe it was just because, again, he really wasn't in the right mindset. Mm-hmm. So, it could have either been part of that or maybe he was trying to get rid of it because he didn't want people finding out what was on it. I sadly couldn't find what was on it anywhere. Oh. So, um, wait, did he sell the laptop the next morning after the murder happened? No, this was before? this was the morning before the murder happened. Okay. So, the, the murder happened later in the day, but this was that morning. So, he sold the laptop to the 15-year-old boy, mm-hmm. which was later seized as evidence, which is probably why I couldn't find it. Oh, um, yeah. And the so police took the laptop from the boy, seized it as evidence, but at least an anonymous businessman gave him a new laptop. So nice. He, at least the boy was compensated. Yeah. And then later that day, Tim McLean, 22 years of age, departed on Greyhound bus 1170 in to Winnipeg. He originally got on the bus on. July 30th at midnight. So very, very, very early in the morning. Yeah, that's really early slash late for a bus to depart. I mean, most I buses so. I know like leave at like 8 in the morning. Canada must be weird. I mean, Canada is a weird place. <laughs> so <laughs> To he... all the people from Canada, we, we love Canada. Uh-huh, totally. Well, I do. Andrew can mm-hmm. be weird, I guess. <laughs> I love Canada. It's great. Don't worry. Oh, Canada. Our home and native land. That's about all I know. Yeah, me too. All right, anyways. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> he sits at the very back of the bus. It's it's a bus that had, like, toilets in the back. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, you'd never want to sit back there. Yeah, I don't know why he did, but maybe he just wanted to avoid people, you know? I mean, that's, that's, that's very that's fair. fair. So there there was the, the bathroom, then a row, and then the row that he sat in. Mm-hmm. So pretty much like the second from from the end, he was he was way back there. Yeah, he was all the way in the back. I mean, yeah, from my experience, that's where very interesting people sit is in the back. <laughs> yeah. So at six fifty five p.m., the bus departs from a stop in Erickson, Manitoba. At this point, there were thirty eight passengers. It was at this stop that Vincent Lee enters the bus. Okay. 
So he originally sits at the front of the bus. He was just minding his own business. Some say that he might have seemed slightly agitated and maybe a little bit confused, but he wasn't a threat to anyone. He was just, mm-hmm. he was just there. <laughs> so Lee is described as a, a tall, tall man, about six feet, if not maybe a little bit more. So around six feet, <laughs> over 200 pounds. So big guy. Very um, person. He, he was in his 40s and he had a shaved head and sunglasses and was wearing dark clothing. So it's in my head, I kind of picture like the stereotypical like military person, kind of rough around the edges, kind of mean looking. Do you want to know the person that came into my head? <laughs> Who? Grew from Despicable Me. <laughs> <laughs> like the difference in that you yeah. like, oh i pictured a military man <laughs> i'm like i pictured a children's cartoon <laughs> i guess we're just different people <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought so after a regularly scheduled rest stop he gets off the bus smokes a cigarette kind of being normal gets back on the bus then he grabs all of his luggage and just starts moving toward the back of the bus for whatever reason. Apparently he didn't like his seat anymore. Apparently not. (laughs) It's reported that he was looking at each and every single person as he walked by. Oh, I would have been so freaked out. Like I would have too. That's so creepy. Just him slowly walking. I mean there's a difference like if you're scanning looking for a seat. Mm But I mean, if it's not a full bus, it's not that hard to find an open seat. And if it was a full bus, you wouldn't want to move. Otherwise, you would lose your seat. Especially if you had a good window seat. Like <laughs> Window seats are by far the best. Anyone who says otherwise, they're lying to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, totally agree. <laughs> window seats are the best seats. Yeah. And it's weird because he moved from a seat that he might have had a window seat to a place where he did not have a window seat. So he picks up his luggage, moves to the back after staring everyone down. He's just trying to have a staring contest. (laughs) Gosh, Andrew. Apparently no one else wanted to have one with him. (laughs) That's fair. Except for Tim McLean. So he eventually, Lee, puts his bag in the overhead, sits down right next to Tim McLean. They might have shared a few pleasantries, but McLean... And Lee kind of just ignore each other. There's nothing really to say. And then, so, McLean then puts his headphones on and just goes to sleep. Which, originally reading that, I was like... Pretty normal. Really? I I fell asleep on... Yeah, when I was riding back, I had a seven and a half hour bus ride. I fell asleep. Oh, man. But, I mean, I was sitting by myself. Yeah. So, that's a different story because it wasn't a very full bus when I fell asleep. No, when I fell asleep, there's still quite... That was when there was the most people on the bus. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I was, I was sitting by myself, and, yeah, I just leaned my head against the window <laughs> or my... I know, my, against my bag. I don't know. For me, that's that's weird to, like, fall asleep with someone right next to you. Maybe that's it's... That's true. Maybe it's... I, I'm from a bigger city where it's a lot more dangerous, so maybe, maybe it's just that part in me. Yeah, and I'm from, like, a tiny town. That's <laughs> barely a blip on the map. Like, we're not even considered a town by tech... <laughs> like, if you go by technicalities. So, I would be really scared in that situation. I don't know. I'm just... I, I'm uncomfortable by people sitting that's, by me on buses just in general. That's true. I'd also be very uncomfortable with just some rando sitting next to me. Mm-hmm. Especially because I don't know him. 
So, anyways, I was just, I don't know. I would be scared in that conversation. Especially a man in all black, wearing sunglasses, who was six foot tall, 200 pounds, and a shaved head. Like, I don't know, maybe that's just my conditioning of just, like, (laughs) because if it was a woman who sat next to me, I think I'd be less worried. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that's just kind of how I was. I mean, perception kind of comes across. It's like, you have to be more careful of men. But, yeah, if, I don't know, if he sat next to me, I might probably switch seats. Yeah. Because that would have freaked me out. Yeah. The only thing about that is Tim McLean had the window seat. So Lee was kind of trapping him in there. Oh, no. I would have just jumped over that man's (laughs) legs. I I would have grabbed my my backpack and would have, whoop. (laughs) Yeah. Just nosedived and... But while I may have been scared, Tim McLean, he was he's not braver scared. than both of us then. <laughs> Very much so. So he just falls asleep. <laughs> <laughs> that... So unfortunately for him, he was attacked while... On the Greyhound? On the Greyhound. While he what? was sleeping. He had his head up against the window. He was just sleeping, minding his own business... And then Vincent Lee, right next to him, pulls out a very large hunting knife. Just starts stabbing him. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm not going to sleep again on a form of public transport. Like, the very few times I take public transport, I'm never falling asleep again. It's reported that he stabbed McLean 60 to 100 times. How did he get that many times? Like, if there were people on the bus... Even the bus driver in the back of the bus, like, you can hear stuff. Like, when I had my headphones in on bus, I could hear the woman behind me, like, blasting her... Oh, she wasn't blasting it, but she's playing, like, breakup songs and singing along to it. I could hear that. And I was, like, kind of near the front of the bus. Oh, yeah. And she was way in the back. So how would you not hear somebody literally stabbing another person? So they did hear, and they everyone quickly got off the bus. So the driver pulled the bus over, and then... Everyone got off the bus as soon as they could, which I don't know why they didn't Why don't they stop him? So... I can can understand, like, he's holding a big knife, mm -hmm. but, like, that's another human being there. Yeah, and I agree. But, I mean, they don't really have any moral responsibility to... It would have been a good thing if they did. Um, Besides being fellow humans (laughs) and not wanting a person to get stabbed 60 to 100 times. Yeah. But the, no judgment here, though. Like, I, I'd probably be scared, like, out of my mind. Oh, yeah. But no, I would be, too. I, I probably would have been the one of the first people off that bus. <laughs> I would have opened the window <laughs> and jumped out. So there were, there were a couple people that did try to help. The bus driver, after he pulled um, mm-hmm. the bus yeah, off the side of the road, already. he and two other passengers did try to approach uh, Lee. They did try to see, like, what was happening, and they were very violently driven back by him. Okay, I mean, he's a big man. Yeah, he's a big man with a really big knife. He was was very intimidating. And at that point, they realized that Tim McLean was definitely dead. He was by far dead. Or, like, yeah, and even if he did pull through his... There wouldn't be much of him left. So at that point... It was, they got off the bus and tried barring the door closed to keep Lee on the bus. Mm -hmm. So, witnesses claimed that during the actual killing, Lee had no emotions on his face whatsoever. 
he was described as robotic. There was no sense of rage. There was really no sound other than McLean's screams of bloody murder. That is so, like, he was just sitting next to this person and then just decides to stab him for, like, the guy was sleeping. I don't, I mean, unless he snored, but even then, like. <laughs> I mean, I would be pretty mad if he snored too, but I wouldn't go and murder him. No, I'd be like, a po- <laughs> politely poke him with a stick and be like, hey, please wake up, you snore, you're loud. Yeah. Witness Garten Katan said that the attacker was oblivious to others while the stabbing occurred. He he had a very calm demeanor about him, and he said, quote, there was no rage or anything. He was like a robot stabbing the guy. That's even scarier. Like, yeah. if the person shows no emotion doing it, that scares me even more if he was, like, really, really angry. I definitely agree. Like, it's somehow scarier, even though, I don't know, it's weird, because... We we usually assume, like, crimes of passion, but this wasn't. This was not the case. Yeah, so the, the bus driver pulled over. They all escaped. And while they were there, a truck driver saw a whole bunch of people outside of a bus. So he ended up pulling over, and he got out, tried to see what was going on. When he learned that there was, there had been a murder on the bus, he went back and he grabbed, I believe, it was a crowbar and I, th- there was something else he grabbed too. So him and then the driver and the other passengers that tried to, tried to save McLean, they managed to use the crowbar to, to like fully bar the door, the door locking Lee inside. At one point, Lee tried to use the bus to drive oh, off. Away. Oh, did the bus driver have the keys then? I'm not or sure. I'm not sure if the I'm not sure if the bus driver had the keys, but apparently there is a fail-safe system in place. So the the driver somehow it was in like the back of the bus pressed some sort of button and that rendered the vehicle totally incapable of moving at all. I mean, it makes sense why they would have it. I couldn't tell you what situation. Apparently, but situations situation, like this. Here we go. Doomsday situations. Murder on the or bus situation. How would you keep... Probably theft security. That could be, too. Could be a big thing. Because, I mean, if somebody could hotwire it, and mm-hmm. if you put something... Nobody's going to look in the back. Yeah. I mean, I certainly wouldn't. But then again, I definitely do not know much about hard crime. <laughs> <laughs> or how to commit a hard crime. Me either. I mean, that's... That's not a bad thing. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> After the the vehicle was rendered immobile, Lee walks back to the body, takes his knife, does a little chop-chop, and completely decapitates him. Starts dismembering the body and... A little chop-chop. A, okay, there was a lot more chop-chop. <laughs> yeah. He completely decapitates the body. He walks up to the doors of the bus where the truck driver and all of the other passengers could totally see. Just holds up the head so that they can all see. Waves it, dangles it in front of them. Kind of, it almost seems like he was kind of taunting them in some messed up way. How not called emergency services yet? Like, I mean, I get it. Canada probably might not have the best, like, telephone service, and it was 2008. But Still, like, if you're on a major highway, like... Mm-hmm. So it was around this same time that the police were called. 
so at 8.30 p.m., so this was an hour and 35 minutes after the departure from the last stop, Royal Canadian Mounted Police, or the RCMP, in Portage La Prairie, receives report of the stabbing on the Greyhound bus just west of the city. They arrived to find Lee still on the bus, being held there by another passenger, the bus driver, and a truck driver. Oh yeah, the, the, other, the other thing the bus driver had was a hammer. Okay, cool. So all of the other passengers were just huddled at the roadside, some were crying, some were vomiting. Probably, yeah. Uh, I don't blame them. That's extremely traumatizing. That's traumatizing. Many yeah. of them, most of them, ended up with PTSD from I know. from this. That, yeah, that's just and such since it came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like, just imagine like if you would have sat next to them, like that probably would have been running through my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that could have been anyone. They could, have, could been have been anyone. Any one of them. I mean, them. I travel Greyhound alone, so yeah. Yeah. That totally could have been me. Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely not me. I was not traveling Greyhound in 2008. <laughs> I was a little not. young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before the police arrived, Lee continues to dismember the body. He's reported to have consumed some of McLean's flesh, which is just absolutely disgusting. Yeah. yeah. So that's where he gets the name the Canadian cannibal from, is because he, he did eat him. Are they able to, like, prove and kind of, like, see? Or is it just kind of more hearsay? No, they. it was on full display. Like, oh everyone outside the bus, all of the other passengers, could totally it? see it. They were just watching. Because, I mean, they had nothing else to do, I guess. But like, oh. as, as much as you don't really want to see it. True, it's like... It it's full on display. And, like more, like morbidly, just fascinating. Mm-hmm. Fascinating just to watch because you just want to see like what's happening. Yeah. Oh. So at nine o'clock p.m., um, police are now in a standoff with Lee. They had special negotiators summoned as well as a heavy tactical unit. So mm-hmm. basically, a SWAT team is the equivalent. The U.S. equivalent. So they're trying to talk him down. They can tell that he's not in his right mind. He he keeps, he's observed going back and forth from the door, talking to the police, and back to the body, defiling it more, eating it. Oh, gross. How long did the standoff last? It lasted a while. Um, so it lasted until the next morning. Oh, my um, goodness. So July 31st, 2008. Mm-hmm. At 1.30 a.m., he was finally captured. Before he was captured, he Lee was reported to have been mumbling that he, he said, quote, I have to stay on the bus forever, end quote. And at this point, the other passengers were eventually transported away from the scene, thank God. They, they probably say saw way too much. Yeah, they should have been yeah. taken away way earlier than 1 a.m. I agree. Like, once paramedics got there, like, they should have been, like, checked up on and... Yeah. Like, escorted somewhere safe. Mm-hmm. So at 1.30, it's 1.30 now, Lee tries escaping through the bus by breaking a window. Probably... Mm, the emergency exit windows. Mm-hmm. Probably either that or using the knife to somehow oh, break one. True. 
It's kind of unclear. They just everything I've I saw is just that he was trying to break through a window. Mm-hmm. So he was soon arrested. He he didn't make it. Like, <laughs> oh, no, you're not. He was pretty much surrounded. There was no way he was getting away. He was tased twice, and the canine units were let loose on him. So he probably got nom nommed a little bit too. <laughs> I mean, karma. <laughs> Yeah, Karma's yeah. He nom noms a body. The dogs nom nom him. You know. Karma's a lovely lady. <laughs> yes. So they uh, eventually he's taken into custody, um, and at that point, the only words that anyone could really get out of him um, were pleas for someone to kill him. <laughs> he's he kept repeating, "quote I'm sorry, I'm guilty. Please kill me." Canada doesn't have the death penalty. They don't even, I don't even think they have life in prison. Technically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know a whole lot about the Canadian. This is just from what other cases I've remembered Mm -hmm. hearing. I know they don't have the death penalty. You'll be surprised. Is this sentence light? You'll, you'll be surprised. So. Oh. (laughs) After, after he was arrested, parts of the victim's body were then found placed in plastic bags and were retrieved from the bus. So they found the the body parts already in bags. So Lee, while he was dismembering, was, I mean, he was putting some some parts in bags and some in other bags. So maybe it was that some messed up way of him sorting the body parts. I don't know exactly. But what would you be sorting it for? I know, right? I mean, I, like, it's depending like exactly what body part but yeah i don't know and what what where but still mm-hmm. so the victim's ears nose and tongue were found in lee's pockets when he was arrested which is just totally why we don't why would you put them in there people eat like pig yeah head cheese yeah yeah but yeah no <laughs> Sadly, McLean's eyes and part of his heart were never found, so they assume that Lee ended up eating them, which, that sounds disgusting. I, I don't get cannibalism. I hope not. I, I also hope not. Um, I'm glad you don't understand <laughs> cannibalism. I don't either. <laughs> so, later the next day, so this is the day after the okay. murder occurred. And the day after. But the same day as him getting arrested. Mm-hmm. So he got arrested very, very early this morning. Mm-hmm. 1 a.m. Um, so Greyhound representatives took passengers to a store to replace their clothes, which was super nice. And then they did eventually get to Winnipeg at 3.30 p.m. I mean, that's the least they could do. So, yeah. They, they were thankfully reunited with family members and friends. And then at that same time, Lee was being taken to the hospital after being arrested, which makes sense. It's kind of common practice, mm-hmm. especially since he was tased. You do need yeah, medical. Twice. That's a lot of electricity yeah. in your body. Y- you need medical attention after that. And plus, I, I don't know where I saw it or why I saw it, but like eating human flesh is not good for you. Mm-hmm. Like it's very bad for your health. Like, Definitely. just the composition of what's in it is not something you should consume. Yeah. So, I don't... Yeah, not that you'd be having an allergic reaction to it, but just... 
Yeah, it's, his body, it's, you're not really meant to crossed. eat human, other human, so his body's probably not digesting it well. No. I hope your body's not meant to digest <laughs> it well. Yeah. So after that, he appeared in Portage La Prairie Courthouse. This was a smaller town, I think, but the, the it was the, the town under which jurisdiction oh the highway that that it was under because where it happened it was on the highway right outside um mm-hmm. so they they took over the case um he was originally charged with second degree murder only only second degree I mean, murder that's true first degree is like you very much have to meditate it and like thoroughly plan it out mm-hmm. well second degree is like you have to have intent of malice and like i mean if he brought a knife with them like yeah, that that is that's kind of. That's ooh. one of the que- the questions that I had is why not first degree because yeah, he had the knife. Enough knife. He had the plastic bags that he eventually used. Yeah, like having like plastic bags is normal, but like that knife and especially a large enough knife, like I would understand. Like as somebody who doesn't really eat out much, and especially like, you don't want to leave a Greyhound station to go and eat because like you don't really have much time over layovers because yeah they tend to get there early most of the time you should you might want to bring like stuff to make a sandwich or like a bean bar and jelly sandwich is a great bus snack a knife sharp enough to physically inflict harm and one large enough like i don't know like if you had like a small one like you cut up an apple would be like the only one i could think of but the blade is only a couple inches you're not gonna get that far but if you had like a long knife. There's some. It was form a pretty big knife. <laughs> That's yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't so, know. That's a tough one to argue. And especially with the the computer, I feel like that again is also a weird thing. Like he got rid of that. He did not want that. Yeah. What evidence was on there? Yeah, makes and you uh, wonder, like, how much that was premeditated. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. And maybe uh, Canada has different rules for premeditation that could than be. we do in the U.S., but... So he was charged with second-degree murder. Then Lee pleads not criminally responsible oh, due I'm, to mental illness. Mental insanity. Uh-huh. So he accepts that he committed the crime, but he claims that he was unable to form the necessary mental element or mens rea, which basically, it, it's Latin, but it translates i'm not exactly what it sure what it translates to exactly but it basically means that he didn't really understand what he was doing he didn't have that mental capacity a psychiatrist says that lee began hearing voices telling him to perform the attack but if you were so calm while doing it it's kind of the weird thing about it because like i'm not if you're hearing voices telling you to murder someone in cold blood And if it was something you really didn't want to do, you'd think there'd be a lot more anguish. Like, maybe he had, like, split personalities. That one I can understand maybe a little more than Mm -hmm. schizophrenia. Or something, or I'm not very good at... No, you know, you're right. He was eventually diagnosed with schizophrenia, and it's believed that he had schizophrenia for a long, long time and just went undiagnosed. Going back to the other incident that I mentioned before oh, of him the, walking yeah. along the highway, well, if he stayed in in the hospital for longer, then he probably would have gotten yeah. diagnosed with schizophrenia, and this could have potentially been not avoided. have happened, been avoided. Yeah. I mean, walking along the side of a highway isn't a strange thing where I'm from, because that's our main road is a highway to mm-hmm. kind of go through town, but... The only thing, though, is it was a really busy highway, and 
it's it's not a place where you're supposed to be walking. True, yeah. I mean, we always still see, like, people will bike on the side of the highway, and it's, like, really kind of nerve-wracking when mm-hmm. you see, like, just a person on a bike. Oh. It's just, like, you should not be here. Yeah, that's really interesting, because where I'm from, there's absolutely no one on the side of the highway except for broken-down cars. And if if you're on the side of the highway, you will get run over. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody has, but we just don't have much for, like, bike paths. Because, I mean, the road that I live on isn't even two-lane. Yeah. And I wouldn't dare ride my bike on that because I just know the people who do drive on it tend not to be from the area and don't mm-hmm. know how to drive on that road. <laughs> and they go way too fast because they think they can, but they shouldn't. So basically people like me. Yes. People exactly. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm safe. I swear. I, I, I <laughs> yes. drive safely. Please drive at a normal safe level and even slower if you're not familiar with the area. And don't run over people on the side of the highway. Yes, preferably. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. People have gotten hit on the road I live on. Like, a woman almost mm-hmm. got hit walking her dog. They hit her dog and killed her dog, and she oh, almost no. died, too. Sad. Yeah, it was so sad. Like, I Poor knew the woman. person that mm-hmm. happened, and she was absolutely distraught. Yeah. But just, like, she is so lucky she survived. And mm-hmm. there's so many kids there. So, but, uh, yeah, I can kind of see walking down the side of the highway is, like, a normal thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then again, like, what mental state are you in? Like, how responsive they are is a totally different thing. Yeah. Like, and if somebody's the... like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just going to the gas station, my car broke down. Mm-hmm. Totally normal thing. Definitely. If it's like, they're not very responsive or their responses are kind of not normal of what you'd expect of somebody walking down the side of the highway. But you still, if he's he's a legal adult, he could, you can legally live leave against medical advice. Right, which is what he ended up doing. But they could tell that there was something off and they wanted to keep him. They didn't really have anything that life-threatening or anything that they could they had to leave. Even even with that, like if somebody is like just keep him. has a life-threatening illness, they can still leave and go home. Mm-hmm. You, they the hospitals true. can do nothing to hold you there besides give their advice. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, like this is a really dumb idea. Yeah. Um which he's totally should, should have taken medical advice. I agree. He should have, but he didn't. And then later and he heard... <laughs> yeah, that's how we're here. He heard voices telling him to perform the attack. Lee said he believed it was the voice of God telling him to destroy the demon beside him or that uh, he, Lee, will be killed himself. But, okay, even before that, like, how would you get a knife if you weren't pre-planning it? Like, it's still in my head. Mm-hmm. About that, because if you maybe because he slept on a bench outside of a convenience store, it kind of sounded like it was or, a grocery store. Yeah, out of a grocery store. So I mean, you could maybe get one there. Maybe, but, but I it, mean, not all grocery. It sounded stores, like he had it for a while, still, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know exactly when he got it. But Lee is quoted to say things like, "God made me do it, and I was an evil son of an evil God. God chose me as the killer, and God chose him as the victim." God controls all things, and God made me do it. Oh, I don't like that. I don't like that either. <laughs> Through it all, though, you could tell that there was definitely something off. He was diagnosed with schizophrenia at this point, mm-hmm. and because of that, this whole trial went really, really quickly. Everyone came to a quick conclusion that he was not in the right state of mind and still wasn't, which was very obvious at the yeah. time. Um, 
they came to say that if he murdered and dismembered a person on a bus, a random person on a bus at that, someone he didn't know, how could he have been in the right state of mind? Which, yes, I agree to that to some extent, Mm -hmm. but I also feel that he maybe could have just done it like, he could have planned it. There was at least some level of planning that probably went into there it. There had to be. I whether, mean, again, whether or not that he made that planning in the right state of mind or not, I don't know. Yeah, I kind of, part of me kind of thinks he might have done it in the wrong state of mind because it wasn't very well thought out. Mm-hmm. Especially because he did it in such a public space. So that aspect of me is thinking that... It was something he'd been planning for a while, but just not in the right state of mind that he could fully think out his actions. But, I mean, there are people who unfortunately kill other people and do very horrible things to their bodies, and they don't know them at all, and they are in a quote-unquote normal state of mind. I agree. So Some you, some famous serial killers and stuff, mm-hmm. they were, they were they fully... Were f- they fully knew what they were doing. They just mm-hmm. chose to do it. Yeah. So and it's I mean, entirely possible. Yeah, son of Sam, he lied about hearing the dog. So he never heard a dog mm-hmm. when he shot those people. And so there are people who do lie about having mental illnesses, unfortunately, that to try and get a lighter sentence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that kind of creates a stigma around, especially schizophrenia, which is quite an extreme mental illness that is very taxing on people and can use... and in some situations, requires more assistance. Definitely. Definitely. So, on March 5th, 2009, this was only seven months after the murder took place. Canada gets it done, man. Yeah. The US, we'd probably still be waiting on a trial. Definitely. Yeah. I don't know if this was, again, it seemed everyone rushed it and kind of just assumed a lot of things. That's true, though. The mental state was definitely in huge question. And because of that, Judge John Scurfield ruled Lee was not criminally responsible for the killing. Oh, no. He was not criminally charged, but he was sent to Selkirk Mental Health Center. Very good. At at, least he's not out on the streets. At this point, it is indefinite. Mm -hmm. At least... Like, that was his original sentence, was indefinite, and later that was changed, and we'll get into that. Oh, no. So, there were a lot of lawsuits that came out over this. I mean, maybe for rushing it, but... Sorry, lawsuits against Greyhound. Oh, against Greyhound. Uh Uh-huh. How much can they control that, though? Because, I mean, you can't have every person have their own seat. That's true, but you're also... The company is responsible for the safety of their... That's true, but, yeah, I mean, when I got on the bus, they didn't ch- check my bags or anything. Mm-hmm. So it's... Yeah. I don't know how you would do that because a lot of their bus stations, especially in our area, is, like, the side of a road or, like, a convenience store. Because a lot of the time they don't have stations, especially in smaller cities or in more rural areas that they tend to service. They really can't have a large station where they could have something like airplane security and airport security where they can, like check your bags and patch yeah, you down. Because, sure. yeah, they definitely don't have that. In, yeah, like... there's... Other than the bus driver, there's basically no security at all. There's, mm-hmm. again, and... like you said, no screening process, no no bags checked. So a lot of people were, were quite upset about that. I'm just trying to figure out how you could do anything. Yeah, I'm not really that, sure. Though. 
Tim McLean's family sued Greyhound, the Attorney General of Canada, and Vinsley for $150,000 each because of, I mean, their... their the handling. Tim got murdered. Yeah. Well, um, the Attorney murdered, General so. of Canada? Um, probably because of the, Maybe, uh, the, the, the rushing of the, of the case, the handling of the case. Um, I never really... I never really found out if they won or not. I don't think they did. It seemed like all charges in relation to to this case were dropped. There was two other lawsuits filed on February 16th of 2011, filed simultaneously. Deborah Tucker and Kaylee Shaw filed a lawsuit against against Lee Greyhound, the RCMP, and the Canadian government for being exposed to the beheadings. So they were fellow passengers mm-hmm. on the bus at the time. And they were asking $3 million each. Ooh, that's a lot. That is a lot. Which I get. I get it. I mean, medical like you, fees and therapy is not cheap. That's Unfortunately, it's so expensive. It's horrific that you guys had to like go through that. But yeah, later on July 14th of 2015, the woman eventually dropped their lawsuits. But that was like... Four years after. That's such a long lawsuit. How can <laughs> how can you afford to pay for that lawsuit for so long? I have no idea. Maybe they didn't really need the three million after all. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that I found quite funny not oh. not that any of the, anything in this case is really funny, it's not but it's half funny. It's ironic. Ironic, ironic that Greyhound, the Canadian portion of Greyhound, had just right before this murder, they had instituted a a new slogan that reads uh quote there's a reason you've never heard of bus rage unquote (laughs) suffice it to say they quickly stopped that slogan that that one did not stick (laughs) i wonder why (laughs) i wonder why yeah yeah yeah, that was not great that does not sound i don't even like that slogan like even hearing that before i would i don't know that's not a very catchy slogan yeah it's really not I, I, it's not a good one, but yeah. yeah, so Lee was, he was shipped off to a shrink. <laughs> he was in, in a psych ward. Yeah. He underwent lots of treatment and therapy and he was being pretty heavily medicated for schizophrenia. He was officially diagnosed with schizophrenia, but something that's really weird about this case is he remembers every single detail about like what transpired Hmm, so so it kind of makes it seem like there was at least some part of his mind there Mm -hmm. and in some of his counseling sessions he did describe the entire thing detail by detail in gruesome details that poor therapist they probably (laughs) needed a therapist themselves after that he had a whole psychiatric team that was evaluating him and That was responsible for him. On June 3rd, 2010, this was 15 months after he was originally found criminally not responsible, he was granted supervised outdoor walks within the facility as voted by the Provincial uh, Review Board. So at this point, he's starting to get better, quote unquote, like what, from what they could see, he was... Treatment was hard for him, and he wasn't really reacting to it at first. But 
eventually he did start to, and then that's when he they started giving him slightly more privileges. On May 30th, 2011, it was reported that he was started to actually respond very well to treatment. It was at this point that he re- started receiving more freedom over the next several months, and then eventually afterwards. May 17th, 2012, he was granted temporary passes that would allow him out of the facility for visits to the town of Selkirk. Granted, these were heavily supervised at this point. He was supervised by a nurse and a peace officer. So basically he had his own security guard as well as his nurse with him. And sometime in 2013, Lee was also granted supervised visits to Lockport, Winnipeg, and other beaches nearby. He really liked going to the beach. That was really calming for him. At this point, Lee spoke in an interview saying he began hearing the voice of God in 2004 and that God wanted him to save the world from an alien attack. And so he uses this as a... Uh, This is kind of his statement as to why he was insane. What he did. Um, Yeah. So, and 2004 was long before the the actual killing. um, Four years. mm -hmm. And that was that was before the time of when he was found along the highway. So it's entirely Mm -hmm. possible that if what he's saying is true, which um, I don't know, I I kind of believe him just. From everything that I've researched, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I believe that he was at least in some sort of mind that was not, quote unquote, the normal mind. Mm-hmm. And with that intense form of treatment, like if he would have, if he was lying, unless you're a really, really good actor, and even then, it's these are specialized and people who have studied this and dedicated Definitely. their lives to it. You, if he wasn't fully being honest, you'd think that kind of would have leaked. He would have broken at some point. Mm-hmm. On March 6th, Lee was actually allowed to have an unsupervised visit to the city of Selkirk. This started off just as a 30-minute trip. Did he not come back? No, he did. He did. He was eventually brought back. His visits, he, he, was, he worked very well with the, the psychiatric team, and he was very compliant. So he did come back. So it, his visits did start at just 30 minutes. And then when they saw that he was responding well to them and that he could be trusted, they slowly lengthened and expanded over time and eventually did become full day trips. Wow. Which is kind of scary. I know. <laughs> February 27th, 2015. So exactly one year after he was originally allowed unsupervised visits. He was also granted unsupervised day passes to Winnipeg. And the only caveat about that was that he had to carry a fully functioning cell phone the entire time. So they were probably tracking his his location and making sure that he came back. But other than that, he was alone with the entire population. There's no saying what he could have done, but... Yeah, I mean, it could be tracked the whole time mm-hmm. and still do something. Yeah. I mean, they're going to kind of figure it out, but still, that's a reaction instead of a action. It's really instead scary. Of, like, stopping it. 
Yeah. Yeah, that is so scary. May 8th of 2015, so a little bit, a couple months after he was, after the full day passes to Winnipeg, he was granted access to group homes in the community. So at this point, he was no longer living in the psych ward with everyone else. He was in a group home. And at this, shortly after, around February of 2016, he was not, he didn't really care for living in those group homes anymore. So he was working with with the, the people of the psych ward to legally change his name to Will Baker and tried living independently. He he eventually won the right to, to live on his own on February 26th of 2016. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Criminal Code Review Board recommended this for him. So they reviewed his case, reviewed his treatment, and every every aspect of it. And they they deemed that it was it was okay for him to live on his own. So later on, February 10th, oh, sorry, February 2016 is when he started actively applying for it. And February 26th of 2017 is when he actually won the right. So on February 10th of 2017, Lee is fully discharged. That means he has no more legal obligations no restrictions. Um, he was discharged by, again, the, the, the Manitoba Criminal Code Review Board. And now he walks free. He was fully let free only nine years after committing the murder. Oh my goodness. That is so soon. It is. It's a really short span of time, which kind of leads the question of was he really? Because yeah. he recovered so quickly. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. did it he really suffer from that? So many years. Yeah. Like, and even I mean, if you're, hopefully he's keeping up with his medications, and he's probably still going under fairly not as intense, but still quite a bit of therapy and other at least hopefully forms of therapy. Yeah, at least hopefully. Oh my gosh, hopefully. So he was released. He wow. was in charge of his all of his own medications. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was deemed, I don't see, I don't know how they came up with this number, but a 0.8% chance of relapse. Only 0.8? Which, if you ask me, is still really high. Like, that's one in every 125 people that he sees. So if you see 125 people, he, one of them, he might have the impulse to murder them. And, or, or something, something equally as bad or similar. Yeah, that's still so high, like 125 people? Mm-hmm. That's not very many people. It's not. Like, you, we probably see over 125 people m- multiple times a day, easily. Mm-hmm. Definitely. One part that I had a problem with is in Canada, the for these psychiatric wards, public safety is not a part of really what, what think, they're thinking. You think um, they'd have to have a record with it on? Mm-hmm. Like he has a criminal record. That's something totally different. Like I'm not saying if somebody, oh, somebody has schizophrenia, they should be on this kind mm-hmm. of thing saying it. No, that's because they really haven't committed a felon. Because I mean, like they have rapists. There's a big database I know in the U.S. with where you can see kind of like near because they legally have to be submitted to this kind of map saying, oh yeah, in this neighborhood there is a person who has 
committed a sexual assault. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of surprised, like, something with as drastic as murder that they don't have, like, would they not have a database kind of saying, like, oh, yeah, like, there's this person who killed somebody and then decapitated him Mm -hmm. and... I mean, they obviously knew about the murder. They knew that it happened, but that, I don't know, public safety just is not really a part of their process. Their process is entirely rehabilitating the patient, and that's really their only main priority, is the rehabilitation, which is good. Yeah, Rehabilitation is good. It's good for, like, smaller crimes. Mm -hmm. Like, if somebody was caught, like, drug dealing or theft or kind of crimes that really don't lead anywhere like i mean they're a gateway crime but if you can Mm -hmm. kind of stop it there and like rehabilitate that person i can understand that like hopefully they're definitely turning people's lives around so they can be involved in those types of crimes and that's kind of where the u.s fails and i'm not saying the u.s judicial system is perfect it is by all means totally not oh very easily but yeah that's so surprising that with, like, those major crimes where mm-hmm. it is a public safety risk. Yeah. So, really, in essence, it's like nothing ever happened. Okay. There are people who serve more time than him who've committed, like, more minor crimes. Mm-hmm. And he really didn't serve any time. He had, he had the, True, yeah, he the, the the years in the psych ward, but he was found not criminally responsible, so... That was not on his criminal record at all. Like, so it was completely like, wiped, so... What? So he can, like, apply to work at a school? Mm-hmm. I mean, I I would assume so. It, you think it'd be it, on a background thing every, at the very every, least. Mm-hmm. Everything that I found seems like his slate was entirely wiped clean and that he was basically living a whole new life. Um, especially that. since he was living now under a, a completely new name. He had pretty much a whole new personality. He was an entirely different person. Oh, no. I don't Um, like this. (laughs) So at the time of his discharge, doctors concluded that Lee understood his mistakes and only wished to live a moral and responsible life. They also did say, but if he forgets to take his medication, uh, misleads his doctors, or even slip away to another area, there's no telling of what might happen. Yeah, it's... I and mean, that's super scary. That if so you're, scary. if you just if, forget to take your medications, right. a big thing, like or like. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, I forget to eat all the time, so that's oh, something. Oh, me too. Yeah, we both forget to eat. Like, but imagine something as important as medication yeah. that you have to continuously take. Mm-hmm. That can be easily forgotten. Like, you just get busy, or if you if your prescription runs out and you can't fill it. I know my mom needed this um, medication for um, something that was very important and very. She, like, desperately needed this medication, and she couldn't get it till the next day. And she ran out. Like, she tried to refill it, and then just stuff happened, and they didn't have the medication on hand. But, yeah, like, something like that happens, and you don't take it, and you kind of get a taste of, like, what it's like to be off the meds, Mm -hmm. and maybe he might like that feeling and want to stop taking it. So, again, that's really scary, and why would you let someone out if you even have that that question of like who knows what might happen that doesn't seem to me that doesn't seem like someone that is safe to be out in the public yeah does he have to like check with a team like a psych team like how probation officers will check with some i couldn't find anything like that he doesn't have to like do any check-ins like any it seems like he was just living a complete independent life with no checks no no nothing he's just living his life now 
And I mean, if there is somebody who knows more about this who does want to kind of say, like, I don't know, somehow reach out to us to tell us that, oh yes, he is going under checkups, that would definitely make both of us breathe easier and mm -hmm. hopefully other people if they do end up finding this podcast. <laughs> yes. Okay, so one of my, my main questions is, should he not have been at least held somewhat criminally responsible? I understand that he was not in the right state of mind, but as we kind of talked about earlier, there was at least some sort of premeditation. Mm -hmm. He had a knife on him. He it had was a the, large knife. It, it was a really big knife. He he had the plastic bags. He sold his computer. For Those, so cheap, like yeah, sixty dollars. You desperately were wanting to mm -hmm. get rid of that. Yeah, which makes it really sad that I couldn't find what was on it. I know. I'm so <laughs> curious what was on it. Me now. too. I I'm was like, so curious. That was one of the one like bold, highlighted, italicized, underlined things <laughs> in my notes when I first found that out. I was like, what the heck is on this computer? I need to know. And sadly, I could not find it. But I feel like these are all, all three of those things are just all points to some sort of premeditation. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that he should be fully criminally responsible. I do not believe that he was in the right mindset at all. Another, another thing is he left a note for his wife when he left. His, this note said, quote, I'm gone. Don't look for me. I wish you were happy. Oh, oh no. Which, that seems to me so like he knew what he was doing. Yeah, that is not something. Like, I wish you were happy. I wish you were happy. Like, have a nice day is normally how I saw it. <laughs> sign off my notes. Yeah. Not, I wish you were happy. Yeah. That's just kind of sad. <laughs> it really is, but that really just begs the question, could he have just really said exactly what all of his psychiatrists wanted to hear True, yeah or could he have maybe had at least some sort of mental illness and just overplayed it to make it seem way worse than mm -hmm. it was to like, remove the blame i know and not to be charged like, at all any part of it that of like it's your fault any for like he's completely absolved of any criminal involvement is just what blows my mind especially like, yeah for sure a nine year stint in the psych ward most people who go to the psych ward for like especially extreme schizophrenia that makes them end up killing someone they tend to stay there a little longer or a lot longer <laughs> go to prison yeah or like any form of like yeah i that just blows my mind how he's allowed to go back into society mm -hmm. yeah as scary as that might be the real tragedy here is the loss of tim mclean Mm -hmm. Um, and really the, the sad part of it is that nothing was really done for his family. Oh, that's the worst. Or even like the witnesses or mm -hmm. the first responders. And it really took a toll on them. Um, yeah, that's one, not easy. Corporal Ken Barker, he was one of the first officers to arrive on the scene. He ended up committing suicide. Oh no. Um, his family has said he was suffering from PTSD mm -hmm. from this event. And this was only, this was six years after the crime occurred. So he, he and a bunch of the other passengers ended up with PTSD and were severely traumatized by yeah. it. Yeah, And if you can't financially afford any form of treatment, you're mm -hmm. dealing with it all on your own. Mm -hmm. So you would think, I mean, I can understand like Greyhound, like there's no way they could have prevented it, but... Just somebody, they could have hopefully reached out somewhere to get 
emotional support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So McLean's mother, Carol Delaney, uh, says, Lee has an incurable disease that makes him do terrible things. I believe he needs to be in an institution that addresses those needs. Mm-hmm. I don't think it matters if you're mentally ill or not. If you kill someone, you should lose your freedom, period. And to some extent, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't know. It kind of feel like that he should be at least partially criminally responsible. Mm-hmm. But that's just my opinion. I, again, I don't know really his psyche. Like, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I'm not in his mind. So Probably a good thing. I mean, yeah. But it's also hard because you, no one really can say exactly what was going on in mm-hmm. his mind. Besides him. And even then, yeah. And just like the weight of the, on the family. Mm-hmm is the hardest part. It's just something just so out of the blue and like nothing can prepare you for that. For sure. There was no warning. It was just, I, again, like you said, it was out of the blue. It was out of the blue. So a lot of these witnesses have PTSD and a lot of them are paralyzed by large crowds or loud sounds, mostly because of McLean's scream as he was woken up while being stabbed. In other effects, there was a book-length poem by American poet Joseph Fasano. It's entitled Vincent, and it is based loosely on the events of the murder and Hmm. stuff like that. So, really, the, the question is, could this happen again? Oh, that scares me. Leaves on the street? He Mm -hmm. really doesn't have any family, friends, support, supervision. That's even worse for relapsing. Mm -hmm. Because if you have nobody to, like, kind of tether you to the real world. Yeah, and, like, especially if he goes through something. Because I kind of wonder if his anger had a part of it because he was needing... Because he was fired from Walmart. And so getting fired can be quite a anger like something that can make you quite angry mm-hmm. and can kind of put you into a more vulnerable mental state especially if you have schizophrenia yeah. but yeah you just kind of wonder if like if he gets could a major rejection or mm-hmm. something similar to that again could that and yeah if you forgets to take his medication or your medication just kind of i don't know if medication can like stop working or like you just kind of become so used to it up, you build up a tolerance yeah you build to up it. A, thank you build up a tolerance like mm-hmm. i kind of wonder if that would happen cuz i know that happens with like it happens with other medications and like a lot of other mm-hmm. medications yeah it's entirely possible i'm not sure i don't really know a whole lot yeah, about really schizophrenia meds about that either or just um, medication in general yeah. just but the few yeah so you kind of wonder if that's i know part of me kind of thinks that might happen again unfortunately like i really hope it doesn't i really hope it doesn't too but who knows what might happen he's still alive he's living his life out in canada he he's described by some people as a ticking time bomb who might go off he might not who knows when again like the original crime it was out of the blue yeah it might happen out of the blue again never know Mm-hmm. I'm surprised his wife didn't freak out when she got that note. Because if I had, yeah, yeah if a, I, I a definitely would have left me that note, or like even just yeah, just seeing that and just knowing that person well and knowing like mm-hmm. the context, like I mean, maybe they had an argument, mm-hmm. and maybe something was blown out of proportion, and so yeah, just still being in that mental vulnerable mental state of like, oh, I wish you were happy. Like maybe she said she was happier. She would have been happier with someone else. And. But, Again, there wasn't... I couldn't really find a whole lot on the wife. I've mostly found stuff on the case itself. Mm-hmm. 
So there was really no mention of her. So they, she might have divorced him after. Um, I'm I not agree. sure. I wouldn't blame her if she did. <laughs> I totally agree with that one. But yeah, this there's a chilling statement that the psychiatrist put out, and, and they said, "quote He'll be all right as long as he stays on his meds," which is just oh. it's 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 such. I don't know. I don't have words. It. <laughs> I know. It's just, it's something that's so important, mm-hmm. but it can be so minor and such a small, maybe small part of your routine where it's like, or if you're in a rush. Could be easily missed. Easily missed. And it's something that just holds so much power. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, unless, or he could intentionally not take it. And that's mm-hmm. even scarier. Yeah. If he stops taking his meds, who knows what might happen. No, now I don't want to ride a Greyhound ever again. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Oh. I'll just stay here over break. <laughs> I won't go home. <laughs> I'm walking home. Yeah, I'm glad I don't have to take a Greyhound anywhere. Never yeah, been I, on a Greyhound, but I don't not, think I want to. I mean, it's the trip that I took, uh, the few trips actually, it wasn't a bad experience. But, I mean, I just had, like, kind of the regular crowd of, like, the druggies and, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a, <laughs> it was a very interesting group of people on the bus. Yeah, just the druggies and the heartbroken lady who also <laughs> apparently was a psychic because she could tell this one guy was, had some job in fashion or whatnot. Oh, what? I, I don't know. It was so weird. <laughs> it was just like, oh, like, you work a job in fashion. Like, right after, like, she just sung her heart out. For the person she broke up with. She just, like, sat down with this random guy and just, like, started talking to him about, like, his job in the fashion career. And I was like, okay. That's that's a little creepy. Yeah. Um, maybe it, she was the next um, uh, Vincent Lee. She could have had um, heard anything I'm glad you made it. it off that bus. <laughs> I am too, yeah. She ended up going a different direction than I ended up going. That's good. But, yeah... You might have saved yourself one there. I might have, yeah. I'm just kind of surprised. Yeah, I can kind of understand, like, the lack of security, but I just kind of wonder if they... Is there anything anything that that they could do? do To make them more safe. Like, because granted, you don't have the time to really rifle through someone's bags. For sure. Because most stops are, like, five minutes, Mm -hmm. if that. Like, you stop for very little time, and then you just keep going. And if you have a large group of people that get on... Or even just one person. All it takes is one person. All it takes like is one. Lee, when Lee got on, all it takes is one person. And, like, they don't have time to look through everybody's bags. And yeah. Like, and I don't, for me, I I don't personally think that checking bags is necessarily something that needs to happen on buses. But mm-hmm. maybe they could have some sort of security personnel on there yeah. just monitoring. I feel like that's at least some level of security instead of absolutely no security i mean it would be hard to because not all there a lot of greyhound buses that i know of i mean airplanes are having difficulty hiring pilots so i'm guessing greyhound is having a very difficult time hiring bus drivers that's kind of why i think my bus might have been canceled to Mm -hmm. come home or come back to school was because of the lack of drivers that's very common and maybe it's just the lack of people wanting to ride the bus this is like an odd weekday, but yeah, it's just having, yeah, especially at the end of the pandemic <laughs> and just, yeah, you just kind of wonder what they could do, but you also know that they're kind of, there's stuff they really can't do. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. now, now I really don't want to ride buses. <laughs> Dang it. I 
did you're warn gonna, you. I'm going to make you get a ride. You're going <laughs> to drive me back. No. I'm going to force you to, even though it's in the exact opposite direction. You're going to drive me it home It really now. is. It really is. Yeah, you're, you're driving me home now. You have no say in this. Uh, oh, no. I'm sad now. <laughs> I don't have a car. <laughs> vroom, vroom, just on your bike. <laughs> I don't have my bike either. Well. Um, I'm not giving you a ride on my back. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why? Um, uh, no. <laughs> Ouch, I'm really hurt. <laughs> but yeah, so that was, that was the tragic murder yeah. of Tim McLean. Wow, yeah, that, that's... That was something. I'm also really scared to go on buses now. Yeah, and you live in a large city where that's more of a form of transportation than mm-hmm. where I live, because we don't have any really forms of smaller public transportation. We yeah. just have, like, yeah, that major stuff. Because, yeah, I know our Greyhound stops at a grocery store. <laughs> like, this complete parking lot of a grocery store, they just uh-huh. pull up and they kind of, like, boot you off, and then, they're, oh, then they leave. That's kind of funny. <laughs> it is kind of funny. All right. Well, I think but, that's yeah, it. that's the end. So we'd like to thank you so much if you ended up getting to this point and buried with us the whole time. We really yes. appreciate it, and... Yes, we will definitely be uploading more soon. I think Tori's case is next. Let's, I don't yeah, know I don't know if, if I can live up one. to this one. I kind of have a couple I'm thinking about, because I kind of want to find one that's, like, not very well-known, because, I mean, you have some cases that are just, like, so well-known that everybody does, and, like, their stories definitely deserve to be told, and I'm not saying that they don't, but you just kind of want to find other cases that don't have that publicity to kind of share their story and share what happened. Definitely. So I'm trying to find one, mm-hmm. but it's also kind of hard. <laughs> and one that's like, I don't know, it's, mm-hmm. I think I've kind of got a couple in my mind, but I really haven't done extensive research yet. So I guess I'll leave that's you. That's okay. So maybe a smaller case, maybe I we'll th- see. I think I'm trying to do a serial killer. I'll give you that. Okay. I'm trying to do a serial killer. Lesser known serial killer. A lesser known serial killer. So, yeah, I'm sorry if you're a Ted Bundy fan. It's not going to be him next week. Though we hopefully will do him eventually. That would be interesting. I'm really intrigued by this case, by Ted Bundy. I definitely don't blame you. So, we're definitely going to do that at some point, but... Again, we, we thank you so much for for mm-hmm. sticking us out. We thank you for listening. Yeah, we um, really appreciate yeah, yeah. you staying on. It's, yeah, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed it. We we definitely we had definitely fun. Well, <laughs> I, I guess I had fun. I don't know. I'm scared. I'm shaking my boots now. I'm scared <laughs> on my bridges. But yeah, if you want to learn more, um, we're on pretty much all of the socials. If you would like to, you can contact us on our Instagram at. I'm making you do it because I'm freeloading. <laughs> Agency Pod. And we've got a Twitter, don't we? Agency Podcast. Facebook? Agency Pod. An email. We've got an email. Agency Pod at gmail.com. I think that's all the so I I live under a rock, so I don't know very much about social media. I think that's also all of the I think that's all of the ones. But yeah, if you want if you want to see more, go check that mm-hmm. out. We'll have pictures from this case up there. Yes. We'll probably have some other random stuff. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, definitely kind of some. And maybe a hint at what the next one might be maybe Ooh, if i want to if i feel very um prepared and put together <laughs> yes yes that's something we're hoping to do is kind of put out teasers to what mm-hmm. the case what the next case might be to try to let you guys kind of guess, guess. and see yeah and see if you're right so yeah so hopefully you'll see see the next one soon but uh, again, thank you so much for listening, and um, we uh, hope to see you, see you next, next time. time. And 
Stay suspicious. Stay suspicious. Woo. <laughs>